for anybody who's building open source or community tool, I think giving back really helps. And it really helps building a unique business. If you have a project of passion, on day one, you don't have to think about commercialization. <laughs> if you provide value to others, ideas do follow. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. I'm here today with Abhishek Dubey, who is one of the creators of Checkfish and also Bolster. Abhishek, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Eric. Uh, glad to be here. It's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, totally. Abhishek and I have caught up a couple times over the years, and things are picking up over at Bolster. And today we wanted to talk initially about Checkfish and how it's kind of evolved into Bolster. Um, both are active applications, products. Maybe, Abhishek, you could start us off by explaining, if we start with Checkfish, what Checkfish is. So Checkfish is simply a URL scanner, which scans a URL in real time and tells you whether it's phishing or a scam site in real time. Got it. So input a URL, get back a fraudulent status. Absolutely. Along with that, what we also do is actually tell you the targeting brand. For example, if you enter a URL, let's say it's a Microsoft phishing we will tell you that it's a phishing site and it's also targeting Microsoft. And we go beyond phishing. That is just one of the kinds of scams you can find on the internet. We can tell you if it's a fake counterfeit sites uh, targeting uh, Nike's Jordan sneakers. So we can tell you with that level of granularity. Got it. So, so, so we, we live in a world where the internet's full of these fake sites. You know, I don't know what the... You, you probably have the pitch ready. There's some percentage of sites that are pretending to be other sites in order to capture information from users. And Checkfish allows anyone to throw a URL in. How does that, are you, have you already scanned out? Do you already know all the, the bad sites out there? Or does Checkfish check them at the time you request? So Checkfish checks them at the time of the request. Got it. That was the whole innovation that Shashi Prakash, who is my co-founder, and I built. We were coming, being in cybersecurity industry for so long. We relied that all the detections are reactive and blacklist driven. So that was our first motivation to build Checkfish. How can we build a system that can tell whether a URL is phishing or scam in real time? There's no such thing as a database. We do have a cache. If you delete our cache, we will still work extremely efficiently. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you don't do any homework in advance. You're just a really good test taker. <laughs> That's a good analogy to put it. I'll use that next time. Okay, there you go. Got it. So uh, tell us a little about the story. How did you get into this business and how did that lead to the beginning of Checkfish? You, you gave us a little bit of the tease here with your co-founder. So my co-founder, Shashi Prakash, and I were together at Cisco, a group called Talos. It's the threat intelligence group at Cisco. I joined Cisco in 2011 when Cisco was not known for cybersecurity. And I've been in cybersecurity space for 15 years. My master's was in cybersecurity. And back then, Eric, nobody would give me a job in 2006 because I didn't have a green card. So I learned different aspects, vulnerability, reverse engineering, malware, reverse engineering. And Cisco, I managed a very large group of threat researchers, machine learning scientists, and built a 24 by 7 support team. The products I was managing was web categorization and web reputation. While Shashi was responsible for building a spam detection systems 
for Cisco's customers. So imagine detecting billions of spams every day across Cisco's portfolio. So from both our perspectives, what we noticed was phishing is a big issue. I was seeing from the web reputation and categorization side of things, and he was seeing from the email side of things. And every time we would come across a customer, because I managed, I also built a level one and a level two support teams, customer would say, why can't you detect same phishing page, which is exactly the same every time? Why can't you? And that was sort of the genesis of it. And interestingly, Shashi had a deep background in machine learning and he was working on it. And I picked it up through, there's something called Hacker Dojo in, in Bay Area, if you know. Yeah, 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 totally. So that's where actually I started taking machine learning courses. I built great friends over there. And that's where my inception of machine learning came in into place. I was sort of tired because I started my life writing signatures for detections for different kinds. I'm a lazy person. So I thought there has to be a better way. I can't be writing signatures for every malware or ransomware that is coming out. Laziness is the mother of invention. (laughs) That's exactly the reason was. And over time, I ended up building a team for machine learning in Cisco. And so we both had machine learning expertise and we both had cybersecurity expertise. And we believed with the advancement in machine learning, especially deep learning, we could build something proactive. Can I take you back real quick, interrupt you? Because we've been talking about phishing and you've already pointed out that there's kind of the email phishing, which I feel like people are more familiar with than just uh, web phishing. So this this fake web idea also goes by the name of phishing, even though it's not in your email, right? That's a great question, Eric. So if you take an e- a web URL, it could target multiple parties. Most people, when we think about enterprise security, we think about employees. But if you take the perspective of a brand or an organization who is doing business, some of our customers like LinkedIn their customers end up getting these links and giving away credentials, which leads to account takeovers, which is a huge problem across the board, right? You can lose significant amount of money depending which brand you are. Somebody puts up a fake LinkedIn, other people mistakenly log into it, but they're not really logging into LinkedIn. They're just giving their LinkedIn credentials to this party. So if you look at ATOs, ATOs really happen in two to three ways. One is people collecting massive amounts of emails and URLs through breaches, and then then just brute forcing it on a brand's website. Other way is you are just doing these massive phishing campaigns and collecting credentials, which is a direct hit every time. So that's what we are really addressing here at Bolster. Basically, that's the problem space we are solving. Our technology can be used by the people who are providing employee phishing protection. You can use this CheckFish URL scanner and take our APIs to implement that if you would like to, but that's not the product we are selling today. Okay, so you've clarified the difference between email and kind of just general web phishing. I interrupted your description of, you both now knew machine learning and you both had cyber background and one brought the email perspective, one brought the web perspective. So first of all, we decided we have something unique to do uh, here. Uh, we figured out how to start a company. Interesting story is uh, Shashi took a mortgage against his home, second mortgage. I borrowed money from my wife. And we had, you know, three Fs, friend, family, and fool that we were able to convince to get magic number to start Bolster. And that time it was actually called Red Marlin. And first thing we wanted to build is just this real-time detection. And we were basically working out of my garage in Mountain View. We literally started in a garage. 
and build Checkfish. We were just head down focused for really first two years to building out Checkfish. I remember first iteration took 45 minutes to do end-to-end, to scan a URL, we will launch a Selenium instance to launch a browser and get the detection. So it was a very uh, long process. And over time, we got it to a few seconds. And that was really genesis of Checkfish. And the goal of Checkfish and motivation was, first of all, to show that there's something real-time can be built. Second thing was, with AI systems that we realized we need to own the data sources, There's no such data source. Actually, if you go and Google, there's no such data sets uh, that are out there. If you say, I want screenshots and text of phishing pages on the internet, there's nothing there. So we had to build that from ground up. And we thought the best way is to provide value to the community and get community's input. If they disagree with our detection, they can give us feedback. So that was the genesis. It was at that time, we didn't know what would be the form factor that we will go to market with. We had some thoughts around taking an API approach, which we can talk about later. And then we basically used Twitter to basically promote it. And today we have Checkfish over 50,000 unique visitors every month. Wow. You don't hear security companies touting their web traffic very often. Uh, You've got something special going on there. And more interestingly, Eric, we opened it up for everybody. Uh, You can use it. My mom can use it. But 99% of our traffic is enterprise traffic. So in theory, all of us consumers, when we get a funny looking email, we could could paste a URL in and and check. But really the folks who you've captured are actually quite nice for you. There's a high willingness to pay. There's higher risk among enterprise users and they're the ones whose attention you've got. That's absolutely correct. And we did, initially we were not even collecting emails. We were just very generous. Uh, We had no agenda of collecting leads that we learned later on in our business. We were just giving as many URLs as you want to scan. We were able to do a reverse IP lookup. And what we found out, which was very interesting, we had 100 out of Fortune 500 companies using Checkfish. It was just amazing. And an interesting thing point to note over here is all of them can afford multiple security products to protect against phishing. And this is still the case, Eric. Who are these people? Are these line workers that are worried about this email that came in or clicking on something wrong? Or is this like the CISO or kind of the head of security who's also concerned? There are a lot of different personas uh, who end up using Checkfish because we just very recently started collecting emails. We still don't ask for profile. We're very liberal with that. We want to have that community aspect to it. But what we understand, uh, there are two primary personas that are accessing Checkfish. One is security operations group. And then second is threat research and threat intel group within these organizations. Got it. So Checkfish is in the wild, doing well, attracting attention. And it sounds like at some point, Bolster comes along. You realize that there's more you can do here. How does that emerge? Well, we wanted to make money because yeah. <laughs> we are on, neither my wife works. Uh, you got to get out of the garage somehow, right? And we, we have a garage. Yeah. So we had to make money to survive. Uh, what happened, there's a very interesting story. Uh, let me share this with you. So we were at a conference at Fairmont in San Francisco, and Shashi was sitting across the director of LinkedIn. This just happens by chance. And they started talking about technology. It's a pretty nerdy conference. And Shashi shares that, oh, we have X number of sites targeting LinkedIn brand. And the person says, "It, it is just not possible. We have two vendors taking down these websites on behalf of us. Yeah. Uh, Shashi says, 
No, we have just a better technology. We have built detection from the ground up. We can detect more than anybody else. So that person got very interested and they said, hey, do you do takedowns? And later I joined them as well. And we had no idea what a takedown meant, like at that point, completely blank. Our answer was, absolutely, <laughs> we can do takedowns. <laughs> so we basically, uh, they said, okay, that's great. Why don't you come to our office? It's like, okay, great. Shashi and go back home, uh, working out of our garage, code it up something which we thought would work. And we go to their office, we talk about it again. And they got so excited about what we were able to find that they decided to become a customer without doing a POC. Now, when you say you got excited about what you were able to find, you you still haven't demonstrated the takedown part, right? No, no, no we no, haven't. Okay. So we have takedowns and we're finding really good stuff. Here's a POC. There was no POC. No POC. Here's the money. No POC. Here's the yeah, So actually, money such story is interesting, Eric, because they asked us how much money would you charge? Because... We said $20,000 and we thought it was a lot of money for yeah. LinkedIn. <laughs> and there was like, they went back, like, oh, can you add a couple of more things? Like, absolutely. And probably we didn't know at this time that we were giving away for free. And they decided to skip POC. They became a customer three months later because working on enterprise contracts takes really long time. But yeah. LinkedIn was really our first customer for Bolster platform. And got a sweetheart deal, apparently. And they did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this was how Bolster was born. And, it, and you kind of decided it, it better to create a new brand because we want to keep the Checkfish free and kind of community feel. Right. Right. It was something uh, both Shashi and I learned. There's something to give back. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And if we look at our life's journey, we were very focused on security. And even in security, fighting malware or spam, It was there was more of a thing to help others. And personally, I felt connected. Every time I would write a malware signature, I would end up protecting tens and thousands of people. Right. So that was more of an effort that initial our thought was with Checkfish, and it continues to remain that way. And then Boaster, uh, basically, we landed this LinkedIn. Then we tried with Uber, same thing. We had data because we proactively found it. Uh, we were scanning a bunch of uh, websites. It worked. Uh, and so Uber became our next customer. Then Dropbox, we found, oh, this is very interesting. And at that time, we looked at this market and we realized there were only legacy providers who were doing professional services. It was a very deliberate attempt for us to focus on this market with the thesis that we can become a market leader in this space versus us going and trying to find the incumbents in employee fishing market. So it was a very deliberate choice that we made. Got it. And I imagine you have like the kind of perfect setup here where you've got this captured audience, excited about Checkfish, and now you have a way to, uh, you know, monetize that audience through Bolster. You've got the first few logos and people start piling into Bolster or, or do you, do you, how, how do you kind of, uh, introduce them to Bolster? Is, is this a natural selling point? Do they just discover it on their own? Today, they're discovering it on their own, Eric. We were still figuring out how to take keep that community aspect and have this very enterprise focus on Bolster because we have very large customers with uh, fairly large ACVs. And Checkfish community is very different. They're coming for URL checking, but not necessarily thinking about their customers. A very Because the audience is so large on Checkfish, a subset 
of that is Bolstra customer. For sure, this is very large enterprises. But Bolstra customer, we have connected, we have done some work so far to bring them, but we have not actively sort of made it a lead generation for our enterprise sales. So there, there are some plans uh, that are on roadmap to bring it more efficiently where we don't kill the community and make it a lead gen platform. Uh, we, we're very, very conscious about it. Great. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's wise of you. Uh, it's often overlooked, the sensitivity of communities. So I wanted to take us back maybe a little bit because I think there were some interesting discussions to have around technology that we breezed past initially. You're doing some interesting things, not only on the real-time side, but other aspects. Maybe you can tell us some of how this works. How are you able to detect sites in real-time? I've heard of people using computer vision or, or other interesting approaches. Our fundamental way to detect something real-time went back to basics. An average person who, a security analyst, why they can tell phishing or fake site every time. What are the clues that we take in input as humans versus the traditional way where people are just focused on the URL itself. So if URL says abhishekdobay123.com pay me money, we will say that this is a bad site. It has nothing to do with the content. Uh, humans, on the other hand, don't look at the URL. We miss it. <laughs> That's well understood. We actually look at the content. Yeah. Right? We don't tend to, and we teach people to look at the URL before entering the data because bad actors are very good at replicating the sites. And most people counterintuitively think that, oh, exactly, the more similar the site is, it's harder to detect for computers. It's actually exactly the opposite. For computers, the more similar it looks, the easier it gets. Because you can say, this is pretty much the same thing as this thing. Exactly. And only exactly. That one of these things is not real. So we have this foundation knowledge working through machine learning and different aspects of security because you can use fuzzy hashes if it's like slight variances. You can use in machine learning random forests where there are not so many subtrees because it's what are similar. But the similarity only gets you somewhere. So we took a very fundamental approach of understanding the context of the page what the page is saying and what is the visual context. So there's a textual context and a visual context. So this is something we all our customers know and it's public. We actually launch a headless browser in the cloud. And this is all happening in real time. If you go to Checkfish, you put a URL, we are actually launching a headless browser in the cloud. And what happens is we take a screenshot and we take the text out of the page. On screenshot, we are doing multiple things. We are doing a fast image matching. Then we are doing logo and object detection on the page. And on the text, uh, what we are doing is we are trying to understand the context of the page. So what is it trying to say, whether it's phishing or is it offering $200 discount or Jordans? And then we combine all these inputs. Basically, there's an ensemble classifier which tells us which brand it's targeting. What is the context? Is it asking for sensitive information? Is it a domain parking page? Once we have these contexts, we know it's interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, right? For example, I'll give you an example. It could be uh, DHL is a global brand. And if you start seeing DHL, you will see DHL hosted across the globe on countries that we don't even know extensions of. So some people will actually mark them as phishing sites. 
Then we bring our security expertise and security threat intel to combine with the machine learning decisions and then make a disposition that, hey, this is actually bad. So badness is determined towards the end. First is understanding the context and the brand. And this is all happening. We're able to do this, Eric, in under 200 milliseconds, all of this. That's incredible. So uh, Checkfish allows me to take from a URL to determine good or bad in real time, 200 milliseconds, using the, the process you described. And then as a company, I can then go to Bolster and say, here's a URL. Can you help me take it down? This shouldn't exist. That's exactly right. I imagine there are companies that come to you and say, can you just do the reverse? Yeah, here's my site. Can you tell me all the bad sites that are trying to mimic me? That's probably our secret sauce. That's how we get a lot of customers. Not only we are in real time, we are proactively also crawling a lot of URLs. We are collecting sort of our own intel. So unlike other security companies, we own everything in within our product from threat intel that is our own, from detection, which is our own. So we're in a very good position, Eric, from that perspective. And that's how we are able to secure a very large customers very, very quickly. Talk to us a little bit about the Checkfish community. So you have these users who come and they've come to rely on you. Is there a community? Can they interact with each other? We did start a Slack project where we have a Slack community. We're working more on to engage them. So that is part of this year to build engagement within the community. So far, we have been interacting with on Twitter. That has been our form where we've gotten feedback. But the goal uh, on the product, basically, our roadmap now is creating community to engage more. We do have a Slack, a Checkfish community. So anybody who signs up does get an invite to our Slack community. So even if they're completely free and they will probably never become a paid customer, they have issues with any issues with using our APIs for integrations. We do have developers responding to it. I'm one of the active uh, persons who would respond to their question. So there, there are a lot of pieces we have built. It's now for us to accelerate them further and take it to the next level. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's largely been well-focused around enterprise, but you do have some consumers who hang out and, on Checkfish on occasion. Probably they do. That's not has been necessarily the focus. Even the community people are mostly... IT security folks, security operations folks, that's the major audience. I, I, we have not done anything to focus on consumers at all. Uh, if they come by, it's probably their accidental discovery, but it's not our intention at all. I, I mean, they can absolutely benefit it. I highly encourage anybody listening to their podcast to use it to their advantage. Maybe you can share with us what the road for in the future looks like for Checkfish and Bolster. Anything exciting that the community can look forward to? There are a lot of things planned. I would share for probably for the next podcast. Yeah, sure. But what you would see more is more smooth integration between Checkfish and Booster. There might be more offerings of Booster you may get on Checkfish and vice versa. Fantastic. Quick aside here, Abhishek, anything you'd like to cover that we haven't? Just something I for anybody who's building open source or community tool, I think giving back really helps. And it really helps finding, building a unique business. If you have a project of passion, on day one, you don't have to think about commercialization. <laughs> if you provide value to others, ideas do follow. And other thing we learned very early on that we wanted to build an API business 
that we learn through Checkfish because we really believe that what we have something is unique. Really, there's nothing out there which is doing uh, phishing and scam detection in real time with such low false positive rate. We, our false positive rate is one in 100,000. So it's truly unique where we thought API business would be, we can scale that business and make it a very big business. What we learned in cybersecurity that most security operations and threat intel folks are not developers. Also that cybersecurity is so much under pressure that they need products built for them so they can implement it right away. Unlike uh, there are some very successful API companies like Twilio where developers are willing to invest. Security teams are under so much pressure. Even if the product is simple, it helps them versus rather than them building the building blocks. So that was a big learning that we had very early on where we, we had to think about building a solution rather than focusing on the basic constructs of Checkfish, which enables Checkfish to be so useful. Yeah, I wonder how you think about, you know, now that Checkfish is working, it's got a community and you've got Bolster. I can imagine a lot of your attention goes on to how do we kind of grow Bolster, grow the company. But I, I also suspect that you're cognizant to think about how we continue to help the Checkfish community. Do you feel like those are kind of competing interests that it's easy to lose track of how Checkfish is doing and their needs and continue to deliver additional value there? How do you think about that? That's a great question, Eric. It did happen to us. As a startup, uh, when you're venture capital funded, everything becomes about uh, ARR growth yeah. and focus shifts towards that. But what we realize, if you have to build a very large organization, we have to build that community where there is trust. Often what we realized, though, even though we never actively focused on Checkfish, we went to Black Hat and RSA and we said, they didn't know Red Marlin, that was our original name, but they said, we also built Checkfish. And they would come and take pictures with us and these <laughs> are people from Australia. Oh, these are Checkfish guys. Yeah. So Checkfish is more known, a lot more people know what Checkfish is. And even in enterprise sales, what we learned over time, and this was completely random, where we said, hey, do you know about Bolster? Like, no. Do you know about Checkfish? Like, oh, absolutely. So it was CISO who may not know Bolster, but the team who was working on day-to-day -day things, it just created immense trust in the security community. So from that perspective, as we learn more, now we are focused at that now we have more resources that we will continue to support Checkfish and deliver more value and have a dedicated team around it. Because if we share resources, partly what is also different is on both sides, it's a very enterprise sales-led motion. Checkfish is, if we commercialize it, which we have very recently, we have put a Stripe credit card over there. It's a very product-led motion. And what my understanding and our team's understanding is taking a sales-led enterprise team to do freemium only ends up one way. It becomes a lead generation tool for sales-led. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what as a team collectively, we'll, we are very focused on building a separate team with the right kind of expertise to who has done that. And this is not very common in, Eric, I have not seen that personally, that happened in cybersecurity. So we have to go learn our lessons from Dropbox, Slack, or notions of the world, how they did amazing job of building communities. So we have to look outside security and apply that to Checkfish, and we're very cognizant about it. So that's the plan, and we're working that with an executive sponsor to a very dedicated team, dedicated product manager, dedicated engineering resources, and a dedicated growth product marketing manager. 
you have a growth product manager for Checkfish. So clearly you're thinking about how we continue to grow Checkfish. And I imagine word of mouth kind of works and maybe that's the vehicle, but how do you think about growing Checkfish? Is, do, you, do you have metrics around it? And are you building features that either satisfy needs that would increase people's likelihood to talk about it or, or actually help them share with others? So uh, currently the team, I told you, it doesn't exist. There, there right. are some resources. Yeah. I'm the executive You're sponsor. The yeah, so I'm talking I am the team. Uh, we do have some resources now because uh, collectively even, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that the executive team we have even though they come from deep enterprise background, very, very successful companies, they're very forward-looking who understood. It was not hard for me to convince executive team, me and Shashi, convince our executive team that this is the approach would, we would take. Yeah. Uh, they've been very supportive and they understand this. So this is the team, the whole structure of the team uh, we will form in coming months. But coming back to your question, how do we plan to grow Checkfish users? We are collecting a lot of metrics and how people are using Checkfish and what use cases and what are the pain points. So one thing we do understand is the buying personas, security operations and threat intel. And great thing for us, Eric, this is the exact same persona that is on Booster, who is a Booster customer. So that's very, very exciting for us. So we do have a few things in the pipeline that we are going to release hopefully in next 30 days, which will get us one to end users. So we are thinking what features we can enable that gets us end users versus taking more of an incremental, uh, like taking having a more non-linear adoption of users versus an incremental approach. So far, Checkfish has been 100% organic. We don't have ads uh, for sign up. It's completely been word of mouth. Uh, and now we basically have some product features where we can enable people to invite a lot more uh, members of the organization onto the platform. On, on Checkfish. Yeah. Organic is super exciting. And at the same time, inorganic is also quite valuable, like to, to be able to dial up, you know, users. And, and as I advise people, there's there's a lot of push towards organic, which is warranted. But as you're pointing out, there's, it's also nice to be able to have mechanisms in which you can push growth beyond what would normally happen. That's right, Eric. I think one one of the things is uh, what we understood is truly understanding the value metric for the customer and how do we drive that value metrics through our product features. The more usage, more consumption of that value metric and how can we grow exponentially. So that is the thought process that we are taking in Checkfish, even in Boaster platform, where uh, we're measuring quite a few things even on the platform today. What is when when we have an enterprise customer joins, what are the features that they're using most? So we have an internal tool that we have built where we get all the metrics about each of our customers and collect very detailed metrics around it. And then basically building features around those metrics if they're common across all the customers and it helps our business as well. Fantastic. Well, we're glad you're doing it. And I'm sure your users are excited. I mean, what's great about all this is it's all quite so aligned. I mean, you benefit from a better product. The users benefit from a better product. Everybody wins when you build this way. Yes. And Eric, one of the most interesting thing is with these two sides, it may seem different to a lot of people, but it is really not. We see as a, a win-win situation for everybody, whether it's a Checkfish user or a Bolster Enterprise customer. Because when a user puts a URL, whether it's a PayPal or any kind of fish, 
if let's paypal is not a customer right so if paypal people are listening to this if they were our customer we would actually do the takedown so the next user whether it's an enterprise or a consumer it's taken down when it's coming to the email so it is a very it helps everybody whoever is in this ecosystem would help it's a virtuous cycle to the products we talk mostly about open source projects on the past on the show and it's interesting to see the same dynamic here you're having to make choices we've got a new feature do we push it into the free channel you know into the open source project into checkfish or do we do we reserve this for bolster and kind of push it to our paid customers do, do you feel some of that uh, you know is that is that a question do you see that as analogous to open source projects to a degree it does we have to make a lot of these decisions what we should give to community and what we should have on bolster platform this is we still have to do how we will figure out in checkfish and bolster but what i've learned is the best way to give the experience of premium product is to give full functionality uh, the most successful products what i've learned have full functionality but they're limited by usage we don't want to limit the experience of a free customer any more uh, than the paid user so that's just the general thesis uh, we have i personally have so how do we do that uh, we will figure that out there's some thesis uh, which we are developing we are going to test it out and maybe next time we meet i'll be able to share that if it worked great avishek this has been a lot of fun and thank you for being our kind of our guinea pig on doing more you know community led work outside of open source for folks who are new to this topic they can go find checkfish and throw a couple of URLs in and maybe join the Slack group. Is that right? That's absolutely. That would be great. And I'll personally welcome them. Yes, they'll find you in Slack. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Eric. This was really fun. You can find today's show notes and past episodes at contributor.fyi. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been contributor.